Good evening to all the listeners of the R4 podcast. I am Count Rockula, and I welcome you to my annual episode in October, in which I present an album so dark, so scary, so evil, that it will send shivers up your spine and have you cowering in terror. So come with me, if you dare. <laughs> Hello, everybody. I'm Aaron Martell. I'm Shannon Fleming. And I'm Ray Zimmer. And welcome to the R4 Summit, a podcast where we discuss and analyze a musical album of our choice. We also have a guest co pilot along with us. You know him, you love him, Rockin' Mike Cordes. Rockin' Mike, welcome back, man. Thanks. And it's my first episode with Shannon, so I'm very excited. This is going to be great. I'm very excited, too, Mike. It's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. All right. So this is our first annual Halloween episode, handpicked for the podcast by the mysterious Count Rockula, and he selected for us Deicide's 1992 album Legion. Mike, what's your history with Deicide in this particular album? Actually, didn't really delve too much into Deicide until probably six or seven years ago. Uh, I got a buddy of mine that's in a death metal band, and he was singing their praises. And so I, that's kind of when I, I, I started picking stuff up by him. I do own this album. Um, so I kind of delved in and found out, well, I'll get more into it later. But uh, I am a fan of Deicide, so All we'll right. just leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> Shannon, how about you? I am not a fan of Deicide. I apologize in advance. I've never heard of this band until you actually suggested this podcast, Aaron, and and I know that you're, you're doing this just to torture your little sister. Um, I, I can I I understand the the attraction to it and all of that, but um, it's it's a genre of music that I've I've never fully understood. I do tend to like thrash better, but that's a whole you know I, I know that this subgenre is definitely influenced by it, but that's. That's about all I can say about that. <laughs> all right. Ray. Well, actually, a guy who went to school with Mike and myself, my buddy Matt Deal, he got kicked out of his house for smoking pot when we were like in our sophomore year of high school. And so he went to go live with his, step- his mother and his stepfather in Indiana. And when he came back from Indiana, he brought all this stuff back. He brought the first DSI album. Um, he brought back Spiritual Healing by Death, Obituary's Cause of Death, and Sepultura is Beneath the Remains, plus some Creator, some Dead Horse. And this, like, death metal band out of Huntington, Indiana called Rats Creek, which I think lasted, like, a whole one year. <laughs> but, yeah, Rats Creek was kind of cool, too. But I got into that first album, uh, the first Deicide album. Like, Cannibal Corpse I got, I liked, but it was kind of like a private joke that everybody got the punchline to, and I didn't. Yeah. I mean, I, it, yeah. They're really cool, but, I mean, I just didn't quite get into them as much as I, I liked Deicide. Um, I got this album, actually, when it came out, and I think I got it with Power Slave in Pittsfield at, when Strawberries was open. Yeah. No, actually, it wasn't Strawberries. It was the Berkshire Mall. Okay. When they still had, like, Tape World and a yeah, bunch of yeah. those other places. Oh, my God. Record yeah. Town, Tape Record World. Town, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got yeah. Power Slave, and I got this. Um, and it was funny because another mutual friend of ours, uh, Ian, went to go see them for this tour, and I think that was at, like, Club Babyhead in, like, Rhode Island, but I don't even know if that place is still open anymore. I, I don't think it is. Oh, I wow. Think, yeah. So that shows you how old, but... Um, he got me the shirt, and for two years, I had to walk around with these guys going, Dude, why does your shirt say Decide? <laughs> it's a fucking Eastern Mass mook. It's Deicide. Here's to the fucking the school, public school system in Eastern Mass, you fucking 
goggers. We called them goggers back then. Because all we ever told those people talking, I heard, gaga, 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 gaga. <laughs> so, yeah. Dude, it's wicked queer. Why are you wearing DSI? So, I, I, you know, paid the price for my fandom back then. All right. <laughs> so, first off, I have to say that I'm not an extreme metal connoisseur. I dabble in it. I'm interested in it. But I'm far from an expert on it and all its numerous subgenres. But I clearly remember when this album came out, it actually got a little buzz in the metal community. And I thought the band name was wild. Deicide literally means killing God. And reading the song titles made it seem like most, if not all, of the songs were about Satan. By that time, I had become a non-believer. And I thought that satanic stuff was just as silly and hilarious as godly stuff. But I just couldn't bring myself to buy the CD and I never heard anything off of it. Now cut to the mid-90s and I was working for a big box retailer on the overnight shift. My co-worker, who I've mentioned before on the podcast, shout out to Tim McCarthy, had this album. And we listened to it as we were putting up the Christmas merchandise of the holiday <laughs> section. <of> the <laughs> we listened to Skid Row, Faith No More, Mr. Bungle, and Deicide. I found that I liked the racket Deicide was making, so not long after that holiday season, I bought the CD, the very first death metal album I ever owned. In the name of Santa. (laughs) (laughs) No, honest to God, true story. They played in Hadley uh, for this tour, um, and Glenn Benton, my buddy, like met them outside of uh, Katina's. And he was like all nervous because Benton was like starting to do that whole branding upside down cross yeah, on his yeah. forehead. On his forehead, yeah. And he was kind of, he had like that, you know, from Cheat and Shang up in smoke, like, don't look at strawberries, you know, thing on his face. And he was like trying not to look at it. He's like, uh, Mr. Benton, I'm a big fan and uh, my band's got a demo too. I used to be in this band called Catheter Death. And, um, <laughs> and remember that? Yeah. Mike's heard Catheter Death. <laughs> I've heard Catheter Death. <laughs> yeah. So Benton was like, I guess said, uh, yeah, do you have any, do you have the demo or anything? And he's like, yeah, I do right here. And Benton pocketed it and then took off. So like we were just riding on the fact that Glenn Benton had our demo. Actually took it. <laughs> yeah. But we had a song on there about a, a molesting priest called uh, R- Richard Levine. We called it Reverend Vaseline. And uh, <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm not like saying that was an influence 100%. We don't know. I mean, who knows? But uh, on the next album, Once Upon the Cross, there's a song about molesting priests. So... Oh boy! Yeah. That's what I was gonna say. Was Stole I bet it. you twenty bucks they took it and they ripped some stuff off of it? I mean, probably did. Probably. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't doubt it. Hey, well, I'm not gonna argue with that well, dude. And <laughs> it's funny because we, I have a Glenn Benton story too. So I know a guy who was in a band with the world famous Ian. Yep. And uh, met Glenn Benton, and somebody offhand made a comment like, "Oh, thank God for whatever." Like I found this mic cable or whatever. And he's just like, God had nothing to do with it. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> All right, Glenn. <laughs> oh, boy. Take it down a notch, buddy. It's all good. <laughs> rain it in. Rain it in. <laughs> I just picture him looking kind of self-important, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> they live this way. <laughs> it's like it, it's not just like their music. It's like this guy, you know, professes to basically be like, all out, like into devil worshiping. Although I've heard, yeah, they really mean it. it yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, although I've, you know, I've kind of read some some information along the lines of that. That's been like, you know, there's like some disclaimers here. He was going to like, cr- commit suicide by the age of 33 or something yes, like that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. The time rolled around. It just never happened. And then he looked back at that time and he said that was completely an asinine type of statement. And I'm paraphrasing, but 
I thought that was kind of interesting. Everybody was like waiting for him to like, you know, read news about how he went about doing this. So it's like, wow, this guy's really committed. <laughs> I don't know. Gigi Allen has him beat, though. I'm pretty sure he had that idea first. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Here are some basic facts about this record. Put right in your face by Wikipedia. Legion is the second studio album by American death metal band Deicide, released on June 9th, 1992 on Roadrunner Records. It was produced by Deicide and Scott Burns and was recorded at Morris Sound Studios, Temple Terrace, Florida. If this thing charted anywhere, I couldn't find it, and seriously, did you expect it would? And now for the band's lineup card. We've got Glenn Benton on bass and vocals, Eric Hoffman on guitars, Brian Hoffman on guitars, and Steve Ashheim on drums. Additionally, all lyrics were written by Glenn Benton, and all music was written by Deicide. And before we really get started, I have to mention that this band's lyrics are extremely blasphemous, and anyone sensitive to that sort of thing should stop listening to the podcast now. You have been warned. All right, let's get into a track-by-track analysis of this album. Right out of the gate, we get Satan Spawn, the Cacodemon. Evil Rockin' Mike, what do you say? I think it's a great way to start a brutal death metal album. Um, it's a little... There's some tropes in there right off the bat. They, like the the sheep. The, okay, I got it. You know, <laughs> religious people are, are, are sheep. I got that. They got the scary backwards messages. But it's got a great beginning uh, with that little bit of a short drum roll and then the solo guitar rift right before the band kicks back in. And then uh, they, they've got that start and stop riffing. And right before you have Satan himself... He growls himself into existence. I, I like the way the rhythm mimics his cadence, uh, but there's no real melody in the first verse before the chorus. I really liked the production on this album a lot because that's we talked about it during the Saint Anger episode. Scott Burns, um, some of those early death metal albums, real popcorny drums, but the, this whole thing is up and in your face, and you can actually hear the bass which I really appreciate. My problem with the production is his vocals because I can just picture him, there's like an, one of those orange five-gallon Home Depot buckets because it's got a weird like, echo on it, yeah. and he's singing everything yeah. into the bucket. So, yeah. like the, you know, and I did There a was little, a reason for that. Yeah, because he, um, he took a lot of crap after the, there was harmonizers on the first album. Oh. And there's actually a disclaimer within the CD jacket of that one saying, you know, there's no harmonizers on this. Like, these are my vocals. <laughs> yeah. So suffer. Yeah, so suffer. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's the, my, my only knock is just the, 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 his vocals on it. The Keiko Demon or Kako Demon or however you say it. So I was looking it up. It, Kako Demonia, it's a form of insanity where the sufferer thinks that they're possessed. Mm. And in Shakespeare's Richard III, Queen Margaret calls Richard a cacodemon. Wow. So, wow. So take that. Yeah, so uh. we're talking Shakespeare. Mr. Yeah. Ben. <laughs> who said deicide aren't literary? <laughs> <laughs> That's from the man who said, sign our ban, you motherfucking asshole. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Shannon, what do you say? 
You know what? Actually, I agree with Mike on a couple of points there. Um, one is that I could not pick up a melody. I mean, the time signatures are all over the place. And I, th- I think the production was actually quite good on it because he's right. You can really hear the instruments stand out. And I thought that was impressive considering that there was so much going on. It was difficult to decipher what was what. And um, what he thought was sheep, I thought were goats, but they probably were sheep. But the beginning of the song where something singing, singing something backwards, which to me sounds like he's singing backwards through the entire song. I mean, I could not understand anything he was singing. <laughs> I mean, it was just this guttural. <laughs> and I was like, wow, okay, this is, you know, it was kind of reminiscent to me. And I don't know if this would come across as an insult. It reminded me a bit of ministry, like Al Jorgensen or something, like the way he would sing. Hmm. And, um, but then whenever the harmony came in, I started to laugh because it was like, holy shit. It's like this higher version. Like, I was doing this thing before that, that, ka, 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 ka. I, I, I have no idea what the hell that was, but that little bit of a higher pitch on top of that low guttural growling thing that he's got going on. It just, it was just downright humorous. I, I, I don't have any idea. And then all of a sudden there's this guitar solo and I'm like, what the hell is that? It doesn't even fit in with what I think is the melody here. And is where's the chorus? Where's whatever? It just was pure chaos. I, you know, I, I, I give them a lot of uh, kudos for that. <laughs> that's what they intended to have happen. So um, that that's about what I think of it. I'm so you love it. You're saying. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, yeah. It, it was awesome. <laughs> Ray. Well, one thing that I like about this, this is like a totally superficial thing, is the way they actually spell demon, the D-A-E-M-O-N. That's like a big Lovecraft thing. And yeah. like, That's his son's name, too, you know. Yeah. Oh, cool. Right on. <laughs> is it really? Yes, yes it is. <laughs> for his son, Glenn Benton's son. Does he pronounce it Damon? Pro- I, think, I believe I he does, actually. <laughs> Good Lord. So, yeah. <laughs> So, so I like the kind of I like little Lovecraft references, and we'll get a little bit more on the next one. But I was looking; I think Mike nailed up, but pretty much all the other things about the uh, the caco demon. Because like I remember hearing that, I thought, well, you know, the word cacophony is like you know noise. So I figured, what's the story about this? Is like a noise demon? Is it a screaming demon? What is it? But actually, it goes back to like there's Greek mythology that's like benevolent house spirits. There was the agatho demon. And the caco demon, the, the agatho demon was actually kind of your decent one, and the caco demon was like kind of your house imp. So yeah, who knows? Maybe that explains kind of the, the gremlinish kind of a thing going on. Hmm. But uh, <laughs> but I gotta say, um, I'm learning a lot on this podcast because <laughs> <laughs> I learned all my demon summoning skills from Wikipedia as well. So I gotta say though, just for a little bit of back history, when Aaron and I started working together, and we would like kind of go over different albums that we liked and stuff like that. We both like mentioned this song when I remember like talking about Tia. Really? Yeah, like we like, I, I I knew that Shane. I knew your brother was a good egg as soon as he started like singing the the chorus to it. So that that was like, all right, this guy's all right. He's the real deal. He is. The intro itself is really kind of odd. It's like not a straight up blast beat. There's like a little bit of blast, and there's other things going on there too. Like I think Steve's fills are pretty decent on throughout this, and like especially on uh, Holy Deception, but um. As far as intervals and the riffs, there's tritones up the ass. I'm not even going to bother to try to point out the tritones on the ass because they're just, they're just fucking all over this album. Um, I really like the low end sound on this album. Like, I, I like the fact that, like, the, the bass is kind of, like, almost kind of heresy, you know? Kind of like smack. I, I don't know what it is, maybe the way he's picking it or what, but I think the yeah. overall bass sound in this album is so decent. I think he strums like Lemmy. Oh, he does? Oh, yeah, I think okay. he strums it. All right. Yeah, you know, I can, I can kind of hear that now that you mention it. You got a cool riff in the verse section. 
You got like a complex little pre-chorus with Benton's low vocals plus the high-pitched, what we used to call the caveman vocals on top. I think Ian kind of came up with that and then it kind of like spread out from there. So you got the low-pitched vocals and the high caveman stuff, which I think I love. And that's what I got into him with um, the first album with like Sacrificial Suicide and Dead by Dawn. So I like the, the contrast of both those uh, voices. And you said it's more like a black metal kind of a thing? The high-pitched ones? Yeah. Yes. Uh, Danny it's Philpen. very much a black metal trope. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I like the way they mix the two here. You got kind of a cool groove section before the chorus, and you get the pre-chorus, and you get that mini blast in the chorus where he's going, the Satan spawn the Caco Demon, which I, I like a good blast beat. And uh, this is this is the band that kind of introduced me to blast beats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, me too. Yeah. The guitar solo is kind of right out of the King Hanneman Noisemaker guitar solo school. That's what I thought. You know, sans whammy bar. But I got to tell you something. I was thinking, I'm doing a lot of thinking about it over the last, you know, 20 some odd years. Is like, really... There isn't, like, a steady tonal center, I think, in a lot of stuff with this stuff. So, like, how are you going to pick a key to, like, and just start ripping a mode over the top of it? So it just almost makes kind of sense to just kind of throw caution to the wind and just play whatever notes you can, like, rapidly. Whatever your fingers hit. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And the difference between um, the Hoffman brothers and King and Hanneman and Slayer is there's a lot more percussive. Like, I don't know what it is. It almost sounds kind of clipped. Whereas, like, I think Hanneman and uh, King, they they do a little bit more, like, legato stuff. Not all the time. Uh, they mix up a little bit, but these guys are like straight percussive, and I like that. As far as noisemaker solos goes, the Hoffman brothers are really good at it. A really bad example of a noisemaker solo is Rick Ross, who played like in the first two Death albums. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and yeah. it's just like all whammy yeah. bar. Just, it's just dreck. Yeah. But, but didn't ho- you find that it didn't fit? It, seemed, it, it just seemed like it was like almost, and, and this is going to be a poor comparison, but... To me, it was almost like Ingve Malmsteen on steroids. I mean, you could tell that the guy could play, mm-hmm. but it was like it somehow just didn't fit with the rest of it. It just didn't. It was like, oh, wow, what's this? You know, <laughs> that, let's just throw that in with the kitchen sink. It was just really odd to me. You didn't well, find that was the case? No, initially, uh, back in the day, yeah, I did. And I wasn't so down with it. But then, like, I tried to look in the larger picture. Of, these guys are trying to, like, you know, they're not going for tone. They're not going for yeah, it's intentional. It's intentional. Yeah. It's a textural thing as opposed to like a a more linear kind of melodic thing. Yeah, that's true. And maybe that's where my ear really just couldn't, it it really threw it for a loop because Mm -hmm. I know what they're doing and I know what the whole intention is, but it just seemed like such an oddity to throw something like that on top of it. It was like, you know, like a Joni Mitchell type of tuning almost. It was weird. It it is weird. It it takes a little while to get used to, but I tell you what, once you actually kind of come around to it and you get used to it, You'll love it. I'm telling you, trust me on this. You're gonna, you're gonna love the way. You oh, look. I loved it by the fourth time. I'm not kidding when I was saying like, get the BC powders out. My <laughs> head was like killing me, and my face was so scrunched up. It was like grinding my teeth. Shannon, did you mention Joni Mitchell in a Deicide episode? <laughs> I did, and I knew you were gonna catch that and be like, what the hell is what she talking fuck? about? But you know, she was intentionally changing. You know, she would do some some, some really odd tunings to her guitars yeah. and that uh, it almost was reminiscent of that type of thing to me yeah you're right that's exactly that's who i should have thought of first <laughs> when you brought up Joni mitchell you're talking about a house imp for the caco demon and all i'm thinking is dobby from harry potter Dobby's <laughs> a, like, Dobby's <laughs> that's it they should do like a, 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 but the house elf that's, that's next, like, <laughs> who needs mortis we've got the friggin house demon <laughs> the house just looking for a sock like i didn't know <laughs> It's not a house elf, it's a house demon. (laughs) (laughs) So that's pretty much all I got. I I dig this song. All right. 
The first thing you hear is this atmospheric wind effect along with, I thought it was goats too, or could it be sheep bleeding? That sounds suspiciously like human voices imitating sheep or goats. Mm -hmm. And a low backwards voice, which when you hear it forwards, and I actually did this, it says, Satan spawned the cacodemon, cacodemon, cacodemon. Satan spawned the cacodemon, cacodemon, cacodemon. That's what, yep, yep. <laughs> Steven Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then the music starts, and my first impression was that musically it sounds like Slayer on steroids with Cookie Monster from Sesame Street on vocals. Steve Ashheim's drums are technically impressive with very fast double bass, but they're mixed so high that they drown out the guitars a little bit, which is too bad because the riffs come fast and furious and display some technical chops as well. The bass is rumbling down there. You actually can hear it, which is unusual yeah. in this type of music. Yeah. Uh, it's close to, but not totally inaudible. But who gives a fuck about bass in death metal, really? An interesting thing to note is not only does Glenn Benton use the death growls that are standard in the death metal genre, there's also that higher shrieking vocal that's mostly associated with black metal, frequently doubling in with the Cookie Monster vocals, that gives a scary, cool effect. It's very difficult to understand what Glenn is singing. So, of course, I had to look up what the actual lyrics are. And basically, it's about the Antichrist brought into the world. Or it could be about the birth of Glenn's son, who was named Damon. I don't know. Maybe they're one and the same. There are rhythmic shifts in the music. And even at these high speeds, you can pick them out. And the guitar solo, like we've been saying, predictably wild, though it's pretty brief. It's short. Now, let's face it. This is extreme metal and certainly an acquired taste. Right, Shannon? Uh, yeah. But I found it so inspiring I wrote my own version of this track about myself called A.A. Ron the Cookie Demon. <laughs> and here's a taste of the chorus. A.A. Ron the Cookie Demon. A.A. Ron the Cookie Demon. A.A. Ron the Cookie Demon. We love to eat cookie. <laughs> I'm shopping it around to the labels. I'm getting some interest. <laughs> the next track is Dead But Dreaming. Mike, your thoughts? Uh, this is just another brutal onslaught. Uh, it's layered musically. As you said, Aaron, drums are right up front. They just beat your head. My favorite part is uh, where they come out of the chorus. Uh, into the verses, some of the sickest breakdowns in death metal. And you could tell they, they were copied a ton after this album. If you listen to any death metal going forward, you will hear nicks from Deicide on absolutely every death metal album. Um, and this is a good example of that. Matter of fact... If uh, I don't know if anybody here is familiar with uh, the newest Whitechapel album. They have an album called The Valley, which is a f brilliant album. I love it. They have a song called Forgiveness is Weakness, and the main part of that, it's the same cadence of the third verse. Uh, matter of fact, when I was listening to it, I'm going, wow, that's, that's Whitechapel. And I'm like, oh, wait, no, 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 this album came out 27 years ago. Okay, Whitechapel completely nicked it. I don't care because I love the Whitechapel album. But it does get me going enough where like I need a mosh pit after listening to this song. Just, I, I just want to. I want to hit somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Shannon. 
Well, you might have to hit Aaron's sister. (laughs) (laughs) Just reach through that microphone and bam, you know, to me, this is like having a poker stuck in the eye. I really did not know when this song began. I had to keep asking Google once again, what song is this? But then it finally occurred to me when he started, you know, I recognized, I finally recognized some lyrics and was Dead but dream on, something like that. It went on and on. It was like, oh my God, it had that weird Cartman harmony going on again. It actually had some, to me, and I could see where you were talking about, Mike, where this was probably highly, highly influential. Of course, I had nothing else to compare it to other than like a Slayer or even like um, a Morbid Angel or something like that. But you know what I picked up a little bit of in the intro was Metallica, oddly enough, sped up. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. that too, yeah. And I thought that was interesting. So, you know, they're picking up different bits and pieces of everybody's, you know, everybody's influenced by something. That's what music is. And death metal grew out of thrash. Yep. Oh, yeah. Exactly. It's a rehash of all of your, you know, collective influences. And I really appreciate that about music. You know, again, I other than the laugh factor, I I don't have much substance to add to that. Um, It's it's interesting. And it was kind of like having a poker in my eye. (laughs) Ray, I just got a little thing that I popped into my head. I got to say. Because um, I'm a huge like surf guitar fan, like especially like Dick Dale. And, I do too. Uh, I love it. Oh, uh, me too. Well, Shannon, check this out. My buddy Ian did say this. He said, "Dick Dale sounds like a death metal guitarist who forgot to turn his distortion on." Hmm. <laughs> well, that that trem pick stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, man. So, yeah. yeah that, that's fast. fast. Yeah, super fast. It's no joke. Yeah. It's really good. So maybe that'll kind of maybe ease you into it. Yeah, I mean it's not quite Miserloo, but you know. It's, <laughs> <laughs> Or uh, the Ventures at that. Or, yeah, no, or the Shantays or any of those guys. Or, or um, Los Straight Jackets, another great <laughs> band. As I said before, I'm a huge H.P. Lovecraft fan. I discovered H.P. Lovecraft when I was, like, I think in eighth grade. I went to, like, um, B. Dalton Books, and I picked up, like, his uh, like the collection of all of his horror stories, which is, like, this that that book cover is the same one that Obituary uses for um, Cause of Death. Oh, You know, okay, with a woman yeah. tied up in the spider web and stuff like that. Yep. Same exact thing, same artwork. So there's a little bit of crossover here. But yeah, Cthulhu like had these old elder gods. I mean, like Cthulhu, which you know, in the Metallica instrumental called Cthulhu, um, and Yog Sagoth and Nyarlathotep. And then basically, what Lovecraft did was he mixed like old Greek god names with uh, Egyptian god names and stuff like that. And it, all the stories are, take place in New England, which I think I really glommed onto as a kid. Uh, the, although there's, I have to say, there's also he does a little bit of a twist on it because Lovecraft did use some Sumerian kind of basis for his like his whole mythology and his stories and they keep mentioning Lord Kerr. Uh, Kerr is actually the Sumerian name for the underworld. So I don't know what I don't know if Lord Kerr is a Glenn Benton creation or if there's in some version of the mythology there's an actual Kerr. But that does get mentioned throughout here. I like the riff right after the verse section. The riff the verse riff is itself is actually really good too. It's like an atonal metallic riff. I agree with you Shannon 100%. You can tell that their thrash roots kind of come through on this one. Mm-hmm. We get some more doubled vocals with the caveman and the low guttural cookie monster stuff. We get a blast beat, and then it goes into like a thrash skank beat, which I really kind of well, we call it the skank beat. I don't know if it actually is a, like a ska skank beat. That, that, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I, they do that periodically throughout this album. So how's it go? <laughs> what do I sound like doing that noise? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah man Dead but Dreaming oh yeah that's also another Lovecraft thing uh, it's a phrase that pops up in a couple of his stories and the sunken city of fucking R-L-Y-E-H however the fuck you pronounce that Dead Cthulhu waits dreaming so Dead but Dreaming bam there you go that's I'm gonna stop jizzing all over H.P. Lovecraft and his story <laughs> and 
all the coolness that comes out of those stories. Take it away, Aaron. Okay, here's the thing about this music. If there wasn't a pause between the first track and this, I wouldn't have known this was a different song. The sonic textures are exactly the same. Even when the riffs are clearly different, the rhythms continually shift, and I do like that. There are even some blast beat sections, like you said, Ray, and it does make my ear pay attention to the changes. And I can hear that the Hoffman Brothers are playing some tight, ferocious riffs. They're taking the thrash metal template and going a step further. Hey, this song's not specifically about Satan. It concerns Lord Kerr, a sleeping underworld dragon deity from ancient Sumerian mythology, and the narrator sacrifices himself in a ritual to awaken Kerr and his dark lords. So it ties right into everything you've been saying, Ray. Mm -hmm. So far, so good. This is what I signed up for, and it's exactly what I'm getting. The following track is Repent to Die. Rockin' Mike, how about this? One word, relentless. <laughs> uh, this is the first time we see a somewhat melodic lead uh, work at the beginning where it's got that walk down before the vocals actually kick in. Again, no real chorus. Um, they do repeat that first verse, and that's the most understa understandable lyrics on the entire album. <laughs> and the way he repeats it, that first verse, for me at least, is the chorus. After about listening to it nonstop, this past week, I've just been rolling on it. I actually found myself singing along to that first, and I'm like, he opened the song with the chorus. Um, and what does it sound like when you sing along to it? Yeah, it just kind of. <laughs> Let's just say I took some sucrets before we started the podcast. <laughs> 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 Everybody's grandma had sucrets. And those little tin, the little tin. tin. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yep. Sure. Cherry sucrets. And you put your baseball cards in them. Yeah. 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 Now you can get like Altoids. Yeah. 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 You put your weed in there. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's all I have for repent <laughs> that. Shannon, what do you think? Oh, well, this is at this point my ears are bleeding, and Vivian walks out into the kitchen, and she goes. What is Uncle Aaron making you listen to now? <laughs> it's so funny because she, I mean, literally came out and she looked at me and she's, and I'm like, oh, and she goes, she knew right away this had to be Aaron's thing. And I'm like, oh God, how did you know? And podcast coming up this Sunday. She's like, oh, well, I don't understand this. I'm like, yeah, neither do I. <laughs> um, again, I kind of got confused about like when the song, the last song ended and when this one began, but then it, you know, I, I, again, I got, I picked up the repent to da. <laughs> I'm like, repent to, yes? Is this Russian? I don't know. But um, it looks like they had some fun. You know, I get, the guitar playing, I think, is interesting in this because I think these guys are pretty good. And the drumming to me is, it's that double hole, the double bass thing going. I mean, it's just out of control. All of, and, and, you know, I, I'm basically repeating myself over and over again through each song, other than the fact that my body is slowly slipping away into like a puddle of shit on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all good. <laughs> Ray, 
this is actually one of my favorites on the album. Yeah. You got like a, <laughs> you got this like kind of buzzsaw guitar riff and kind of like a triplet feel to it. And actually, I just gotta say for some for, for whatever, these arrangements actually are pretty complex. All in all, I mean, I don't think these guys like sat down and like worked out like total math rock, but I think they took some really fucking cool ideas and they worked the ever love and piss out. I mean, some really, I mean, I don't know if you could say it's like tool level, but you know, I think. I, I believe that the same amount of mental energy that goes into a Tool song goes into these two or three minute songs. This is first. Like, well, and that's the, what it's supposed to be known for, too. It's supposed to be known for the complexity, especially compared to its first album. So I can totally see where you would pick that up. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. Definitely. My favorite part. You is got actually, that from Wiki. <laughs> I did not. First album. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, no, actually, no. I, I did read. I read a ton of stuff on these guys because I could not get into them. I really just had trouble. So I started reading reviews from other people throughout the years. And they were even saying, you know, even the diehard fans were like, for all their albums, this is their best one critically. And for their fan base, they, they appreciated this one the best because it was more complex. So I get it. No, right. Shane, I totally recommend. You might like death. Uh, yeah. Death was kind of like my gateway drug out of all that stuff that my buddy Matt brought back. Death was like my gateway into oh, that kind of stuff. And they're considered the very first. Am I right about that? Like they're the first death metal band, Death, correct? Right there. Right, yeah. 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 Uh, them, I know Venom was proto-death metal. Yeah. But yeah. And Possessed, I hear, has some Yeah, Possessed is, yeah, Possessed Seven Churches. That's a classic. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I do know some like Sepultura and stuff. And, I, and I, of course, I knew a little bit of Morbid Angel. And what I, I've heard of Atheist. I've never like listened to them, but I mean, I've heard of some of these bands. I just never really sat down and listened to an, an entire album like this. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My ears are bleeding after the song three. So at the two sixteen mark, I think this is really funny. There's this like, almost like a circus kind of over there. And then the skank beat comes in the back. Every time I hear it, I start bebopping along. Like, it sounds like, like a bunch of fat clowns trying to run into like a Volkswagen. I always do a Chinese fire drill. It's, it's, that's all I can picture when it comes to that. But I love that part of the song. And we get some nice, short, sweet, and to the point guitar solos. Once again, very staccato, very percussive. And uh, I think that's one of the great things about the Hoffman Brothers is a guitar duo. Damn, this one has a fuck ton of changes in the riffs, rhythms, and tempos. Though that ever-present double bass drum just keeps going and going, and then even the drums speed up and slow down in certain sections. It does distract from these riffs sometimes, because when the drums do slow up a bit, I can better hear the riffs. And I'll tell you what, they're pretty good, and do have a little variety to them. They occasionally start and stop, and make me think of Slayer, and I can dig that. As usual, I can't understand Glenn's vocals, but looking up the lyrics, the narrator scoffs at how people pray to their gods when they're close to death, hoping that by repenting, they will be offered salvation. Glenn says, no, idiot. Your Lord doesn't care about you. Everybody dies. It's a certainty. To die is just the concept of living. Um, as a non-believer myself, I'm actually going to more or less agree with the great philosopher Glenn Benton. Has hell frozen over or something? <laughs> Oh, check that he looked up his bangs, man. There's really going to be an inverted cross there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I grew my hair out. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> the next track is Try Fiction. Yeah! 
and Mike, let's have it. We got that glass breaking. Cool thrash riff, actually. This harkens back. Thrash riff, some uh, cool lead work before uh, that chugging riffage kicks in and then that Glenn Benton growl. This is my favorite track on the album, is this song right here, which kind of pisses me off now. I hear that they don't even play the song live, um, oh, which is a shame because if, I, if, if someone said, hey, let's go see Deicide, I would be seriously pissed that they didn't play this track. I love the breakdown, and then just when that riff kicks in was just the riff, I just picture that pit just circling. And you got, like, you're just looking for that one kid in, like, the Van Halen shirt to take out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think they wrote the songs, they wrote the songs ahead of time, and specifically on this song, Glenn Benton is trying to fit his cadence to the music. That's why sometimes it seems like he's got a mouthful that he's trying to, like, he's trying to fit it in. And I think it's just because the Hoffman brothers may have said, this is the song, figure it out. Because he really does struggle sometimes to force those lyrics in. And I really don't care. It is, and I think it's a great way to end side one. All right. Shannon? Um, glass breaking and a mouthful, yes. That glass was breaking over my head and a mouthful of blood was spewing as a couple of my teeth broke from the impact of that glass hitting my head. I agree. I, actually, of the songs on the album, I think this is probably one of the better ones as well. And also, I, I take it that this is supposed to be what the album cover is based on. Isn't that a tri-fiction yes. that's supposed mm-hmm. to be on the yep. album cover? Yep. Yep. And I can't remember exactly what it's supposed to mean. I mean, I guess it, to me it almost looks like a a, pe- a, a pentagram, but somewhat in, not inverted. I'm sorry, like a pentagram that's kind of like a little bit more almost Celtic decorative, and it's it's interesting. I didn't read much about like what what all the symbolism is behind this because I just figured it was just all about you know worshiping Satan, which is you know good for them. <laughs> <That's crazy. laughs> But of all the songs, yeah, I actually thought this one was actually did have a little bit more of a melody going on with it, even though I still couldn't understand what the hell he was singing. And I thought it was somewhat humorous, especially with that harmonization. It's just it just cracks me up. But again, I had to keep asking, which song is this before I actually understood that, oh, this is different. Maybe now I can actually separate this in my mind somehow and try to analyze it and not sound like a blubbering idiot on a podcast, which obviously I do. It must be because of that glass broken over my head. <laughs> that's, that's what I think. <laughs> Ray, Shannon, it's okay. We're here to accept you as you're liking this song now. I will be sending over a goat head, a, lot, a, a freshly removed goat head, and some chickens to sacrifice. And you know, it was like an introductory packet to you. For, and, then, and then, you know, before you know it, you'll be, you know, shaving your head completely and shaving your eyebrows and, you know, starting your own covens. All right. I got to say, this like, is an A++ mm-hmm. fucking song in my book. I love the shit out of this song. Um, it kind of starts out with like a cool groove riff. And then you get the kick drums and the guitar solo over the top of it, which kind of like bump it up a notch in a kind of a Bobby Flay way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love the riff at the 29 second mark. It's like one of the more conventional thrash riffs on this album than throughout the other ones. But I really dig the shit out of that. Then we get like a blast beat, followed by an even faster blast beat. Then, oh yeah, at the 1 minute 24 mark, we get that triplet riff. I think that when you talk about taking out the Van Halen shirt. Yeah. And you get that awesome Mercedes McCambridge. Mercedes McCambridge is the actress who did the voice in The Exorcist and also the voice of E.T. with the, in the name of Satan kind of thing. <laughs> I love this shit. It's, it's, it's fucking cool. And the cycle repeats. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. 
The breaking glass sound effect leads to an intro riff and guitar solo that sets the tone. And musically, this song has distinct sections I really like. Largely palm-muted tremolo picking with many tempo and rhythmic shifts. And I wonder how the hell Steve Ashon can play all these parts so fast and so precise. I know it's a feature of death metal, but I've got to give it up to the drumming on this whole album. I dig the chaotic breakdown section that leads to the In the Name of Satan bridge. Mercedes McCambridge is pretty good. And those vocals make me giggle. Let's face it, there's no real melody in the vocals. It's just rhythmic growling and shrieking. And since I need a lyric sheet to follow the words, I usually just give in to the flow and let it yank me along. But apparently the trifiction is a mark of sorts that once branded on the body symbolizes one's commitment to Satan and blasphemy of God. The trifiction is featured on the album cover, like you said, Shannon. Mm -hmm. To me, this is one of the record's strongest tracks. I dig it. The following track is Behead the Prophet, No Lord Shall Live. Mike, what do you say? This is a similar start as Satan Spawn. Um, I thought it was very similar beginning, minus the sheep or goats or whatever that is. It's a cool riff, and uh, it's nice and chunky, like me if I was covered in peanut butter. Um, <laughs> but it's uh, <laughs> but it's fi- you <laughs> but it's filler. This, this, this track is the first time where I'm like, mm, all right, it's kind of filler. It does have the longest verses on the album, and it's the first time where Eric and Brian, where they actually trade lead work, and we do get a Master Satan Rise. Um, <laughs> So, for those of you that are familiar with uh, Man of War, Kings of Metal, oh, yeah. um, they always say metal. Um, so, this is brutal metal. So, um, other than that, this song's filler for me. Shannon. <laughs> I, I don't know what I think about this song. <laughs> it's filler. I, I just, I'm going to just agree with what Mike said, except that now I'm not only bleeding from my eyeballs... I mean, I literally look like something out of like, you know, poltergeist for the person standing, the guy standing in like the mirror and he's like, off to his face. His face I love that. Scene. <laughs> yeah. That's so dope. Maggots coming out of the steak. Yeah, the chicken, yeah. The steak like peels itself apart. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's how I feel at this point. I'm like, oh my God, this is like the most excruciating, like over half of an album I've, I've gone. It's, it's just not, it just isn't doing it for me. Not only that, but it's I actually have to call an ambulance at this point because, <laughs> because my face is in the sink. Really? <laughs> so <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. That's all I've got to <laughs> give you how I feel. <laughs> right. Wow. I I'm, I tend not to follow the trend, but I got to say, it's kind of meh. Uh, <laughs> it's a cool riff in the verse section, and the bass sounds awesome on this track. And I got to get my hats off to Scott Burns. It's production work on this album, especially in... It's, it was a really good balance, I think, in some songs, and some songs not so much. And I think that kind of because he did he do the Suffocation albums too. Mm, yeah, I think he like FG yeah. the Forgotten. Yeah, yeah, I think he did. Yeah, and like sometimes like he just couldn't get them dr- the, the drums just grip. I mean, Mike Smith was a great drummer. I mean, he was like the fucking king of blast beats back in the day. But I mean, I think the cocaine helped. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, some of that, that some of the stuff I could never hear the riff because the drums are so fucking loud. Yeah. 
This is not one of their best songs in this track. It's just kind of okay, so I'm gonna have to say this is Ray's unimpressed musical pick. Okay, so Glenn wants to behead Jesus Christ. Isn't he roughly 2,000 years too late for that? He wants to deny the resurrection, but unless Glenn Benton has invented a time machine in which he can go back and decapitate an infant, thus releasing Satan and his legion upon the world, these lyrics are rather redundant. But really, all I hear is... And so what the fuck do I know? The music is what we've gotten throughout the whole album. Fast technical riffing, an insane double bass drumming, with short blazing solos that wail in agony. I'm a big fan of thrash metal, so I can definitely appreciate the ability on display. It's like pushing thrash into even faster territory. It's impressive for that alone. You know what's kind of funny? Is you, know, like, you know how bands will develop like mythologies about and stuff like that? One of the ones that like surrounded this band... Probably from like the first album, I remember is that they, these guys claimed, or at least this is what the fans claimed, I don't know how true it is, but they claimed that they were the reincarnation of the Roman centurions who did, I guess, uh, fucked with Christ. That killed Christ? Yeah. That, that was like... Really? Like, that was one of their things. Yeah, that's what I suspected listening yeah. to this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the next track is Holy Deception. Rockin' Mike, what do you say? Uh, it's a solid riff, nothing fancy. Glenn sings along with the drums, even though they're slightly faster than the guitar. There's a weird timing there, mm-hmm. but I do think it's uh, it's got a cool chugging riff, especially at the end of the first verse, and it's a good recovery from the last track. I like this much better than uh, Behead the Prophet. Eric's solo has an interesting tone on this. There's, I like both solos, but this is the first time where it hasn't sounded like a leftover Slayer solo. And I think that's why I like the solo on this. I mean, Slayer solos to begin with sound like um, the cartoon cat. Like, that's like, you're like... <laughs> <laughs> always, yeah, I always thought that that's what I think of when I think of Slayer solos, as much as I love Slayer. But this song for me, Eric's solo at the beginning, it hints that there's more to them than that brutal death metal that we've been getting this whole time. And uh, for that alone, I, I like this track. All right. Shannon? This is the other track I actually kind of liked on the album as well. And I, it, this is really sad. I wrote, this is like the best song, even though it sucks. Now, that's not really good notation. And I, and I agree. Not a diplomatic approach. And I but. apologize for that in advance, but I, I do think it was one of the better tracks. And I do agree, actually. It does, now that I think about it, it does detour away, away a bit from like a Slayer type of sound. And I can appreciate that. I appreciate any band that tries to really make its own its own mark. And you can definitely hear where these guys are, you know, they're trying to do that. I mean, other than, you know, the cats wailing and, you know, some sort of like weird demon that's possessed a Reagan or whatever from the exorcist, you know, yelling in the bedroom somewhere and me scratching my face off in the sink. I mean, it's, it's, wow, that's a really great description of a band. Maybe I should put that one out there. So it's actually not bad for this band. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like they me pulling my face off. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm going to stick with that. Yeah, I think that's good. I do. I think this is the other pretty decent track on the album. Ray, uh, once again, me being following the, the herd, I love the shit out of this song. This is one of my favorites on the album. You got that opening riff that I, that I think is killer and gives Steve some time to get some actually halfway decent fills in, you know, kind of like let loose a little bit. Um, then they got the second riff that comes in and with that kind of that triplet feel. That. <laughs> and I won't do it again. But there you have it. But you know, it sounded like it sounded. What's the the horse uh, horse racing? <laughs> <laughs> and they're off. <laughs> and, and I was listening to this like. I was thinking back to this band exhumed that like I mean I I, didn't, I saw him a, a few times I knew some of the guys when they first started in the band but there's a guy Matt who now plays bass with that Acts of Defiance yes yeah, yeah. but he was also Matt in Shadows Bish- Fall Bashan yeah yeah I remember like watching him play and he had this like this cool cause he had these really thin picks and like he was a really good trend picker too and I was like watching like, and almost like when I hear this I always think man is he using that same kind of like really thin kind of almost like ultra light kind of a pick but it has like a it has a different kind of an attack than a heavy pick. And when I heard that, that, that second riff in there, that second like, hmm, I wonder if he's doing the same thing there. Then we go back to the main intro riff, which I really love. Um, we get kind of like almost a cliche squalling kind of a noise for like a la Hanneman and King. And you got a couple diminished runs. Then we go back into the vocals. And then we have the guitar solo on top of that intro riff. And I love the guitar solo. I think I, think I can't say any more about it than what you already said. And I love that riff. So yeah, this song is, is uh, all right in Mr. Zimmer's book. Bet you can't guess what this one sounds like. Me pulling my face off? I don't know. (laughs) Double bass drumming at different speeds, far more than the thrash bands I'm used to. Thrash usually uses double bass for effect to make a point musically to carry a theme or increase intensity. This is just constant and relentless. Steve Ashai must have bionic feet to consistently play like this. The Hoffman Brothers riff away and appear to trade off on the solos on this, but fuck if I know who's playing what. It's all starting to blur together at this point for me. Lyrically, Glenn is attacking organized religion and the hypocrites who are in charge of it, deceiving their weak-minded followers with their lies of salvation. I don't know what to call it. Okay, eeny, meeny, miny, mo. I guess this track gets to be Aaron's Stinky Stinker. Wow. I'll be damned. So really, I could have pulled it out of a hat. <laughs> <laughs> The penultimate track is In Hell I Burn. What do you say, Mike? Well, first of all, I thought it was great that they wrote a song about what it's like to live in Western Massachusetts. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's what I took from it. No, uh, more sonic brutality. I love how the song, it chugs, then there's a pause, and then the chug comes back. It does the chug, pause, chug better than a 16-year-old at their first kegger. Um, <laughs> and I'm really loving it sonically, the way it sounds. The, the vocals are really starting to piss me off because the, the singing into the bucket. Like, I can't, you know, yeah. it's either the bucket or the other one that I thought of was, you know, little Glenn Benton being told to wrap Christmas presents 
And his mom is like, Glenn, wrap the present. And he's singing into an empty tube. <laughs> and he's like, you know, I burn. You know, he's like, he's trying to piss off his mom. And the other vocals sound like they're being sung into a washing, an empty washing machine. <laughs> so I just like him and his little brother are going back and forth making up their own songs in the, in the bathroom or something. It's funny because when I was 16 years old, I got drunk and I puked into an empty washing machine. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So hey, was it your first kegger? No, no, okay. No, sure. this, this is just me and a half a bottle of Johnny Walker Red and not eating. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. After the solo, there's that, that chugging riff that speeds up before cold stopping. I thought it was a good way to end the song. That's all I have. All right. Shannon. At this point, the whole album's pissing me off. I'm like, when the hell is it going to be over? I don't have a face. I mean, I, there's like nothing left to me at this point. I mean, it's beyond like a 16-year-old, you know, kegger. This is, this is the week I should have decided not to quit sniffing glue, okay? <laughs> Let's put it that way. I mean, I literally feel like I'm an airplane. I mean, it's just like, it, it's chaos. It's just, I'm, I'm, this is, I, I'm really, this is like my third round and I'm going, and this afternoon when I'm listening to it again, I'm like, I better text them and say, really, I think I have a nasty stomach bug and it wasn't because I pulled my face up. Because I have nothing that I can add to this. I just, I was just like, Wow. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> well, you get points for just listening to it and coming on. <laughs> yeah, you I through. did it four times just for you. Yeah. Ray. Again, I like this one uh, a lot. Not as much as the last track, but I do like this one. The first section riff is really solid. And we got almost like a cool, almost a gallop, which you, you don't really hear much from DSI. Like, I don't think ever. But it's like that in Hell I Burn part with, with the double vocals. Yeah, that's cool. That is fucking dope as fuck. And then Steve's uh, aces on this song. I think he, he deserves a lot of credit on this song. I think this this looks like a, a good showcase for him. Um, we got a blast section at the 2 minute 22 second mark. Uh, got kind of a complex section up to this cool ass demonic laugh, which I always liked that when they did that, like Master of Puppets, mm-hmm. or it's like, um, <laughs> or any kind of like corny demonic voices. Like I was telling these guys, I've been researching a lot of King Diamond, especially like the intro to them. The bitch does make a fine cup of tea. <laughs> 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 I fucking, I like, I sit and listen to that over and over again. I think it's pretty funny. That almost sounds like Peter Lorre. <laughs> <laughs> meets, uh, meets, uh, Schmeagel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the guitar solo section, it's, it's got that thrash skank beat playing again. It does kind of end on a whammy noisemaker cliche, but it's good. Definitely better than Behead the Prophet. <laughs> It's the longest track at 4 minutes 38 seconds, and this has a few interesting twists to the riffs. I love that slower start and stop double bass section. Like you, I love that part. And the furious blast beat passages, including right at the beginning, that you swear are going to completely destroy themselves, but fuck no, our man Steve isn't going to let that happen. There's a burst of demonic laughter that makes me laugh, but not at its scariness. It's just goofy. <laughs> Lyrically, the narrator commits suicide by slicing his own throat which is just what he wanted because he gets to go to hell and be united with his master. Later on, it's implied that he fulfilled the prophecies and committed deicide? Then there's an extended instrumental section to finish the track off, which again demonstrates how technically proficient the players are with more blast beats and crazy fast riffs, and your brain explodes! (laughs) (laughs) And that brings us to the final track... Revocate the Agitator. 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 
Rock and Mike, what do you think about the last one? Uh, I can see this. why this is the last track. Everything here, it's not that it's bad, it's just I've, we've heard it all before, um, and at this point, I've listened to the album, I really want to cut it short at this point, but the album's already pretty short to begin with. They don't really add anything new. And the, my only comment about it is one of the blast beats has a weird fart to it. There's like a weird little... <laughs> I don't know what it is, so it's like... <laughs> It's like <laughs> 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 you hear him, he's like, da, 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 and I'm like, Steve ass cream. Yeah, I like, I backed the song up. I'm like, what the hell was that? All my years listening to this album, I have never caught that before. And then just the name alone, I'm just like, all right, I got it. You love Satan, you know? Hail Satan. That's all I got. Shannon, you love this one, right? I'm agitated. I am so agitated. I can't even begin to tell well you. Played. I'm looking at the clock at this point. I'm going, when? When does this end? <laughs> Send me to hell. I'll have a talk with him. He needs to accept him early. Fuck that whole suicide thing. Just take him now. Please. End this album. End my agony. That's how I felt about that track. Right? Okay, and on the flip side of things, I I love this one, man. You got, <laughs> I don't know. You got a cool blast intro for just a brief second, and then it goes into one of my favorite Hoffman Brothers riffs. It's not like really complex. I mean, it's a lot of kind of Dick Daly kind of trem picking stuff, but it's it's kind of cool. It's almost got like a little bullfighter Phrygian kind of a vibe to it, which I like. You get some really nice double bass work. Um, you get some great double vocals. I kind of almost like how the double vo- the double vocals or that caveman scream answers what Glenn Benton's like singing in the background. You got like a cool trill right before the third section. You get a guitar solo. You get a decent guitar solo. A typical guitar solo, not anything special. At the one minute fifty second mark, we get almost like a return of the Holy Deception style kind of a riff. Which, because I'm such a big fan of that, I have no problem revisiting that. At the 2 minute 12 second mark, we get Relocate the Agitator four times, which I kind of like that. And um, especially with the doubled vocals, which as we have already mentioned, I'm a big fan of. And one final, Relocate the Agitator, and out! Okay. Relocate the Agitator, Relocate the Agitator, Relocate the Agitator, Relocate the Agitator! <laughs> now the track by track is completed, we give our final <laughs> What? <laughs> what? What'd I say? That was awesome. That was great. Now that the track by track is completed, we'll give our final thoughts and album ratings. For you new listeners, the rating is a zero to five system, with five being a favorite album of ours, all the way down to a zero, which needs to burn in hell. Rock and Mike, what are your final thoughts on Legion? Well, I think at the beginning I was saying I. I didn't really get into it when it first came out. Kind of was a, I was a late bloomer when it came to Deicide. I do like Deicide a lot. I have to say I do own this album on CD and vinyl. And completely stoked when you guys asked me to come on for this episode. I was like, yes, this is right <laughs> in my wheelhouse. There And there's a lot of death metal I do like. Bands like Dying Fetus, uh, Whitechapel, uh, Hypocrisy. Uh, there's a bunch of them out there. And I love them. And I'm going to give this a 3.75. More for influence than for how I like the album as a whole. I I would give it a little bit less. I'd probably give it a three and a half just based on the album itself. But it has spawned a ton of copies. And for that, I'll give them an extra quarter point. All right. Nice. Shannon, this is a five for you, right? (laughs) 
<laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Actually, I um this this album really just like you know broadened my horizons and it um basically reduced me to a quivering mess on the floor and. I, I totally just give it a zero, which they might take as a compliment. Who knows? You know, they probably sometimes would. the opposite means best. Only if it's an upside down zero. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Far out, man. It's wow. the first actual zero on the podcast. Yeah, I think you're it's right. It's the very first one. Wow. Congratulations, yeah, Shannon. You made the Hall of Fame. I, I did. I, I guess I just really broke. I broke it here. You know, I, I just um, I'm broken. I blame them. I did not like this album at all. I, I can't even speak. It's in fact, I've listened to all of us speak. The only one that actually could put like a, a sentence together was Mike. You know, God bless him. For, you know, bless, Satan bless him for being on this show because all of us have been like, either speaking up or going faster. We're going. And that's kind of how I feel after like listening to this album. Like I can't. I'm, yeah, like I'm either having like some sort of a stroke or I'm I'm now an epileptic. You know, I, I don't know what's going on. It's it's just it's just downright bad. <laughs> Ray. Well, you know it's kind of funny. Um I'm not like the world's biggest death metal fan. I do like there's some death metal bands out there that I do like. I love Death and I love this band. I'm not as familiar with Morbid Angel, although Richard Brunell just passed away. Yeah. Um, and he was oh, a great guitarist. Yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah. Um but he was a sick guitarist and, and Trey's a great guitarist too. Um, from what I have heard, I do appreciate it. But I, I wouldn't say I'm super familiar with their albums. And, like, we've already established how I feel about Cannibal Corpse. I like it, but, like, I, there's just something about it that, like, everybody gets but me. That said, just like any type of genre, you're going to find your elitists. You're going to find, you know, your people. It's like, you know, you cannot deviate from, you know, the death metal norm. And I actually li- like lived with a person for a couple of years who was just like, you know, I had to, like, hide my Smashing Pumpkins discs, you know, <laughs> in my uh, drawer without, like, you know, getting ridiculed for them just because he was just so, oh about death metal. So, um, that said, 20, no, actually 19 year old me loved this album when it came out. I admit it. And it's kind of, it was kind of funny to revisit it, you know, so many years later. Um, I'd say 19 year old me would have given this a five, 46 year old me. I'm going to go with a four. I think it's, as far as the, the, the albums in that genre went, I thought, I thought, you know, it made its mark. It, it's an important album, mm-hmm. I think, as far as the development of the genre. Um, but it's not my Desert Island disc by any means, but it's still a solid album. So, um, yeah, the Hoffmans are great, Benton was great, and so was Steve. All right. Deicide formed in 1987 in Tampa, Florida, when Brian Hoffman called Glenn Benton, replying to an advertisement Glenn had placed in a local music magazine. At first, the band was called Amon, and they recorded a demo called Feasting the Beast while playing the occasional gig in the Tampa area. Legend has it that Glenn stormed into Roadrunner Records' A&R man Monty Connor's office with a newer demo and said, Sign us, you fucking asshole. <laughs> the contracts were issued to the band the next day. In 1989, the band's name was changed to Deicide at the label's request. Deicide recorded their first self-titled album with renowned death metal engineer Scott Burns producing at Morris Sound Studios, which was a hotbed for the burgeoning early 90s Florida death metal scene. The band quickly achieved notoriety for its blasphemous lyrics and stage antics like dousing the audience with bags of real animal guts, which got the group banned from clubs, boycotted by magazines, and blacklisted by Christian groups and animal rights activists. For its second album, DSI decided to up their game and write more complex and challenging music while taking the pitch shifters and harmonizers off of Glenn's voice, for better or worse. When it was released... Legion got some very minor headway in the public consciousness, 
but this kind of music was never going to take over the mainstream. However, it was a hit in the metal underground, and this remains one of Deicide's most popular albums, as well as one of the best-selling death metal albums of all time. It's also an anomaly in the band's catalog, as its hyperspeed and complex riffing makes it stand apart from other Deicide records, and I can confirm this as I've given them all a cursory listen. Unfortunately, the band didn't play a lot of this material alive, as the Hoffman brothers claimed that Glenn couldn't play the complex bass parts in a live setting. Hmm. In the following years, there would be lineup changes and bad blood between current and ex-members, but Glenn Benton and Steve Ashheim remained Deicide's rhythm section to this day. As I said earlier, I'm not the biggest extreme metal fan, but I admit I have a real interest and fascination with it, and occasionally I like to dip my toes in the extreme metal pool and pull them back before they get chopped off. (laughs) And I've always liked this record. It's only 29 minutes. It smashes you in the face, and then it's over. The overtly satanic lyrics amuse me to no end, and there are times when I just need to get some aggression worked out of me, so I'll put this on and break my furniture. I give Legion a three, and oddly enough, I'm finding that the older I get, the more I'm becoming open to listening to this style of music and all of its ridiculous subgenres. <laughs> now we have to thank Rock and Mike Cordes for coming back and going over to the dark side with us. Always a pleasure, man. I was already oh. on the dark side. <laughs> yeah. I, was, yeah, I can vouch for that. Can Thanks for having me. All right. <laughs> Mike, I really hope you'll work with me again because I know I must have just shredded this album for you, and I apologize. No, no, no not at all. Actually, it's I, it, I think it's awesome when you have like the opposite views like that. I think it's great. I was actually blasting it at work, and a coworker came down the hall and went, "I have a that's some interesting music you're listening to." <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope I get to do something with you again because this was fun. Yes, it was. Yeah, it was a blast. Also, we have to thank. Count Rockula for choosing this album for our first Halloween episode. He's lurking around here somewhere, and I'm sure he'll return to haunt the podcast next year. And that's going to do it for this episode. You can find this podcast at places like iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, TuneIn, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. So if you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review of it. If you take the time to do that, we'll read your review right here on the show. If you'd like to contact us directly, we can be reached at RidiculousRockRecords at gmail.com and also on the Ridiculous Rock Record Reviews Facebook page, where there's a link to hear each podcast, including the R4 Summit branch of the show. You can also recommend the show on Facebook if you prefer to do it that way. And yes, we'll read your Facebook recommendation on the podcast. We're also on Twitter at R4 Podcast Aaron and Instagram under R4 Podcaster. You want to come on the podcast and talk about an album with us? Give us a shout and we'll set it up. We're always looking for co-pouts to host the show with us, and we would also welcome any requests or suggestions for albums to cover. Feel free to leave all of your feedback, comments, reviews, and or suggestions at any of those places I just described. We'd love to hear from you. So for the R4 Summit, I'm Aaron. I'm Shannon. And I'm Ray. Happy Halloween! Like this guy, if you want, although I can do the harmony part. That's pretty easy. What's the first part? That first Satan spawning goes.
a cackle demon. Yeah. Hey, man, that's my black Sabbath. <laughs> 